Hi, I'm Barry Pilling. I'm the Being Human blog editor, and you are listening to the fantastic Being Human cast. It's Lisa, back with another chapter of Kinky Claus's Being Human fanfic. Sorry, I'm just getting over a little cold, so I sound a little rough, but just bear with me. I've got a little bit of news to cover, and then we'll get into the next chapter. First, I want to mention that Andy posted his follow-up interview with BBC Being Human blog editor Barry Pilling last week, so be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Barry shares lots of interesting tidbits about the show, He talks a little bit about the companion web series Becoming Human that recently started up, and he answers those burning questions you guys sent in for Andy to ask. It's always such a great treat and definitely an honor to have Barry on the podcast, so be sure to leave a comment on beinghumancast.com or over on the BBC Being Human blog to let him know that you listened and let him know how much you guys appreciate him taking the time to chat with us. Also, big news... Because of the tremendous fan support of the Becoming Human web series, BBC Three will air the whole Becoming Human story as a 50-minute special one week after the Being Human Series 3 finale. Not only will you get to relive the mystery on television, but they'll reveal the killer both online and on TV at the same time. We'll put a link to the official BBC press release in the show notes, but I do want to make a special mention that the article notes that the BBC's official Being Human website which includes Barry's official blog, is the highest-performing BBC Three website. I just found that an awesome little bit of Being Human trivia, I guess. It doesn't look like BBC America's Being Human website has the episodes of Becoming Human available, and no word yet if BBC America will air the 50-minute Becoming Human special on TV after the season finishes airing here, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. As soon as I know something, you'll know something. I promise. But until then, I believe that beinghuman.tv is running episodes of Becoming Human, so you can head over there to catch up if you haven't seen it yet. Also, I just want to mention that our favorite resident werewolves, Russell Tovey and Sinead Keenan, will be appearing at the Spring Memorabilia Show, which takes place at the NEC in Birmingham, UK, on March 26th and 27th. They'll be hosting a Being Human panel Saturday at the convention, as well as meeting fans and signing autographs. For more information on that convention, including other guests who will be appearing alongside Russell and Sinead, we'll have a link in the show notes. My next item's not really news, but it's something that I discovered recently and I just wanted to pass it along to those of you who may also not know about it yet. The awesome folks over at beinghuman.tv have put together a great Being Human music database, which includes information on the original score music by composer Richard Wells, as well as information on artist tracks that are used in the episodes. I don't know about you, but I've always loved the music on Being Human, but I've only recently discovered this fantastic resource on beinghuman.tv. I love that they've done all the work for me, including providing links to all the music for both the U.S. and U.K. iTunes stores, although, unfortunately, some of the tracks are not available in the U.S. yet. So, if you're a fan of the music on Being Human, please head over to beinghuman.tv and check that out. 
And finally, I just want to mention that Being Human Series 3 will be released on DVD and Blu-ray on March 28th in the UK and on May 3rd here in the US. You can pre-order your copy right now at the BBC Shop or bbcamericashop.com or on Amazon.com or Amazon UK. We'll have links to all those in the show notes so you can be sure to get yours hot off the presses. Okay, just one more thing before we get into this week's chapter. Here's a promo for the new season, season seven, wow, of the fabulous Firefly and Serenity podcast, The Signal. We're just happy to be doing good works. Equality. No, a call coming in, some folks asking for help. Really? It's not folks something we should be striving. Really should sit down. We just leave the captain until it's we get back to shooting. Only way to help them is like gravity. We need it what? to stand on this earth as men and women. I'm right behind you, baby. Who the hell are you? We are the Signal. A podcast all about Firefly and Serenity. There's the truth of the signal. It's Jane being so generous with this cut that confuses and frightens me. It does kind of freeze the blood. On our shows, you will find features, news, reviews, interviews, articles, and anything else we can think of relating to the verse of Firefly and Serenity. It's going to be an all-day event. They've got Brown Coach Redemption. They've got Dr. Horrible. We're continuing to explore the verse, and we want you to join us. Just go to www.serenityfirefly.com. The signal. We're just happy to be doing good works. What was that? And now, Chapter 7 of Kinky Claus's Being Human fanfic, Aftermath, If Nothing Changes. This chapter is read by the amazing Heidi, an assistant producer and fellow cast member on Angel Between the Lines and the upcoming Firefly Between the Lines. And she's also a co-host of the Jericho podcast, Future Traditions, with our very own Susie, as well as the awesome Castle podcast, Castlecast. Take it away, Heidi! Chapter 7 The door of the house clicked closed behind them. George was frantically rubbing his hands together to get some circulation back, while Nina, in spite of everything, was giggling a little. What just happened, she asked as the chuckles subsided. She was walking with her hands shoved in her pockets as George moved smoothly along beside. George looked mystified. I really don't know. He was keeping an eye on her as they walked down the hill away from the hospital. She was upset about dropping the stakes, I think. Then she just, and I was left with, with the, um, meat. Nina, he realized, had been withdrawing into herself with each word and was now barely listening. George licked his lips and slid his glasses down to the tip of his nose so he could see over the top of them for the time being. Already, though, he felt his eyesight weakening again. Are you really okay? This was about his sixth time of asking her that today. I'm fine, she snapped, stopping in the street and turning to face him while extracting her hands from her pockets and spreading them wide. Just stop asking me that. I'm fine. She winced, regretting the movement and flexing the right hand to try to make the pain ease off. George couldn't fail to notice. What, what's wrong with your arm? He asked lightly, a little afraid of provoking another savage reaction, but too concerned to ignore it. Nothing. It came out harshly, a little too fast. She tried again, slowing herself down and working hard to soften her tone as she thrust her hands back into her pockets and turned to walk on. This was George, as he'd always been, yet he was different. 
Honestly, it's really nothing. Really. Nothing you need to worry about. She was tense and pained. She set off walking. Steps turned to strides as she rounded the corner and disappeared from sight, leaving George standing in the street. He was left watching the way she had gone, but for the life of him couldn't immediately make himself move. She was all over the place, one minute laughing, the next angry, the next snarling like a... like a wolf. In a heartbeat, she was being first warm and then ice cold toward him. She was unsettled, as she obviously would be after learning that her boyfriend becomes a ravening monster under the light of the full moon. She had every right to be distant and upset, but he felt there was something more. This doubt spurred him on, as he set off to catch her, though still not sure if it was wise to do so. George failed to notice the figure watching from the passenger side of a stationary car on the street opposite. Nina, wait. George caught up to her easily, jogging along and barely breathing hard, but he wanted to stop and properly talk with her. He didn't touch her, and she didn't slow down her pace until she got near her door. Nina. She stopped at the foot of the steps to her door and turned. Now that he had her attention, George wasn't sure how to say what he needed to. Can we talk inside, he asked indicating her door while looking around the street, suddenly quite nervous. There was a strange and unsettling scent in the air. Nina sighed. She knew they had to stop beating about the bush. Come on, then, she said resignedly. Annie sat on the couch, idly reading the Bristol Evening Post from the previous night. She had read all the local headlines and was buried in the entertainment section. She was up to the cinema listings for the following week when she looked up to see someone standing in front of her. She gasped and stood up, reflexively disappearing and reappearing near the door. Oh, God, Michael, you scared me. The other ghost grinned. I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't have just turned up like this, but I had to see you again. For some reason, notwithstanding the fright he'd just given her, Annie felt herself smiling back. And why's that? she asked, approaching him slowly. Michael looked her up and down appreciatively. Well, you're pretty, clever, funny, caring, and... And you and John really helped me. Thank you. John. Oh, you mean Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell. Sorry. Michael took a chance to look around, walking across the room and standing right in front of where the door to the afterlife had appeared. Annie realized it had only been three days ago since she'd forgotten the chance to cross over, yet it felt like a lifetime. Is he here? The question from the curious dead man brought her back to reality. Pardon? Oh, oh, he is sleeping right now. Long night, you know. Annie shrugged with a soft, nervous giggle, then paused as Michael's words finally sunk in. Helped you? How? After shedding their jackets and hanging them up near the door, George sat on Nina's leather couch, perched near the edge with his hands clasped together between his knees, watching her intently. He was nervous of the atmosphere he had been aware of outside, but right now, in here, he was finding the impending death knell of yet another relationship thanks to his curse, almost unbearable. Meanwhile, Nina winced as she sat on the chair, purposely sitting well away from George, who continued to watch her sadly, but made no move to approach. She was grateful that he was giving her space. Sitting alone in the bathroom at George's house, examining the scratches on her arm and the implication of them, Nina had felt lost. Fear and shock made her hand shake wildly. They, the claw marks, stung sharply if she moved too fast or too far, and continually ached. He hadn't meant to pass this on to her. She knew that deep down. She understood that he didn't have a malicious bone in his body. Quite the contrary. He had tried more than once to leave her, and she'd assumed it was that he'd been hurt by another woman, 
scared into submission by her mistreatment of him, to find that it was not someone else but his own wild self who had him too afraid to fully commit to her was devastating. When he told her he was a man with a secret, she could never have imagined this. Though she understood and forgave him, she just couldn't see him without remembering the animal. So here she was, 24 years old and destined to be a monster, come the next full moon. It was apparently going to hurt worse than anything she had ever felt before, and then she would be a ravenous beast. There aren't words. Those three small, inoffensive words resounded in her head almost above all others. They only came second behind, scratched by a werewolf. She vomited twice as the realization hit her. Her stomach had begun to rebel at the thought. After she had evacuated her stomach contents, it restored some of her composure. Thinking a little clearer, she had raided the first aid cabinet, which was suspiciously well-stocked with all kinds of sophisticated dressings and creams, and placed padding over her injuries. Bringing herself back to now and looking around her flat, she felt tears well in her eyes. In her own home, she could finally let everything sink in. This was the place she had first felt safe away from him and the abuse. It was here that she established herself a new home, career, and life, where she'd healed herself and learned to be a stronger, happier person. But now she felt her strength leaving her. She had to meet the one kind and decent man who treated her with respect, and he turned out to be worse than all of them in his own way. I don't think I can cope with all this, Nina mumbled, dropping her face into her hands. Unable to bear her misery for a moment longer, George moved and knelt in front of her. He placed a gentle hand on her knee. This made her look from behind her hands. He was upset for her, sympathetic, afraid, helpless, and concerned all at once, and every emotion showed on his face, and especially in his pale eyes. Nina, you're so much stronger than you think. If anyone can cope with all this, you can. He grasped her hand as she lowered it, and she all but yelped in pain when he pulled it toward her. George almost fell backwards in surprise, but he held on. He looked at her face, then back at her arm. He peeled her dark purple sleeve back gently. He didn't ask what had hurt her. It was almost like he could sense the wounds underneath, dressed though they were, and slathered in a coating of antiseptic cream. He rolled her sleeve up to her elbow and regarded the professionally applied dressing. There was an odd, still moment with Nina watching George as he ran his fingers over the surface of the bandage. She didn't move or try to pull away despite it hurting as he held her fingers in his own and removed the dressing with his free hand. Four perfect, ragged claw marks ran diagonally across her forearm. He looked up to her slowly, tears shining, but not yet falling, as the hand holding her fingers began to shake. You got this last night. There was no question there as he laid his hand palm flat over the wound and purposefully touching it directly. He was shaking his head slowly. I'm... Jeez, I'm sorry, Nina. I'm... I'm just so sorry. Now he knew exactly why she couldn't bear for him to touch her. He'd made her a monster. He let go of her arm and in a smooth single movement retreated across the room from her, tears falling easily, solely for her. As his back hit the wall, he let the whole revelation in. She was now a Lyco, just like him, another life blighted, if not utterly destroyed, by this curse. Heidi! Heidi! Hey. John, what happened to you? You look awful. Uh, I had an accident, but I'll be okay. Listen, I- Where have you been? You're late for recording. That's what I wanted to tell you. Listen, I was hanging a clock in the bathroom, and I slipped, and I hit my head on the toilet. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I, I blacked out for a bit. When I came to, I had an epiphany. You know that show on ABC, Castle? I, what? You know, Castle. It's that murder mystery show starring Nathan Fillion. Everyone loves it. Come on, keep up. I'm familiar with it, yes. 
Okay, well, I was thinking... You may want to sit down for this. I am sitting. Oh, well, then I'll sit. I was thinking we should do a podcast about Castle. You're kidding, right? No, I'm serious. We could do a weekly podcast wherein we talk about the latest news involving the series, its cast and crew. John. Follow that with a recap and review of the latest episode with emails, voicemails, and a Twitter poll. John. And you know what else? We can even have a music appreciation segment featuring actual score pieces from the show by its composer, Robert Duncan. Seriously, John? Then we can wrap up the show with spoilers. John. Yes? We already have a Castle podcast. Really? Yes, really. It's called CastleCast.net. Don't you remember? Ooh, good name. We should grab it before someone else does. Oh, for the love of... What? You got a better idea? Maybe you should go to the hospital. I think you might have a concussion. Don't be silly. I'm fine. What I should really do right now is go make some album art for the podcast in iTunes. Bam, said the lady. CastleCast.net, the original fan podcast all about the ABC series Castle. Hey, Heidi, you'll never guess what I saw outside just now. A double rainbow. Yep, definitely a concussion. And that's our fanfic episode this week. As I've mentioned before, we'll be putting out a fanfic episode every other week, so watch out for Chapter 8 in two weeks. In the meantime, take care, and thanks for listening. As always, if you have any comments or questions for us, please feel free to leave a comment on the site or email us at feedback at beinghumancast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Have a good one. We'll see you later. Okay. I'll see you later, guys. Being Human Cast is a non-profit podcast. Being Human is owned by the BBC and Touch Paper. No copyright infringement is intended. Music used is from Podsafe Audio. You can contact us at feedback at beinghumancast.com or via our website, www.beinghumancast.com. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll be here. We'll see you later.